0: People don't understand the fact that wind and solar are becoming the cheapest power generation source across most of the U.S. and and the world. And this is even without taking into account tax credits and incentives in in many markets. And that truly it is competitive and even new build wind and solar is actually cheaper than running some existing coal-fired generation plants. So the fact is, is that renewable energy is cost competitive and it is a solution that can be looked at and relied upon.
1: We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The
0: solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter
2: combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information, wouldn't you agree?
3: Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by Renewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 85 of the program starts right now, and we're very excited because it's a two-part special that we're kicking off today. Part one, as we sit down with global consulting giant Deloitte and what they're doing to help their clients through the energy transition, and of course, what they're doing in the renewable energy space well, And well. No better person to kick that off with than their U.S. and global renewable energy leader, Miss Marlene Matika, and we'll sit down with her in just a few minutes to talk about what they're doing. But before we get to that, let's sit down with our COO and co-founder, Miss Ann Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at eRenewable.
2: Hi,
0: Ann Niemer here, co-founder and COO of eRenewable. At eRenewable, we know everyone has sustainability needs and wants. We want to help you reach your ESG goal. Our goal is to bring technology to the sustainability space by hosting real-time online auctions for both buyers and sellers. Our electronic management tool helps streamline the RFP process. Whether you need to procure energy or find an off taker for a renewable project, our platform will provide pricing efficiencies to your organization. Our other projects include solar or battery storage development, renewable natural gas or responsibly sourced gas, LED lighting and HVAC efficiency upgrades, or unbundled RECs or RSG certificates, all helping our customers reach their sustainability goals and meeting their ESG needs. Please visit our website at erenew.net or call us at 1 866 erenew1. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable.
3: Thank you so much for that, Miss Ann Niemer. You can find out more information about the company over at our website, eRenew.net. And, of course, give us a follow on our LinkedIn page as well, eRenewable and The Green Insider podcast. Give us a follow, and you can join us on the Follower Friday series, a great debut that we started last week with Miss Bridget Silva. Great feedback from that. And, of course, we've got another great Follower Friday coming up this week as well. We'll get to that here later on in the program. Also, too, another great partnership that we're very, very proud of, the NEMA News Minute, the North American Energy Markets Association. Here is their executive director, Mr. Tim Berrigan, with the latest
1: installment of the NEMA News Minute. Hello, Fred. This is Tim Berrigan, executive director of the North American Energy Markets Association. Thanks for the opportunity to provide another NEMA News Minute for the week of February 7th, 2022. 2022 started off with a bang as we continue to welcome new members over the past few weeks. Arivon Energy, a renewable developer and asset owner, Compute North, a data center and crypto mining center developer, and Goldman Sachs, who of course needs no introduction, have all recently joined NEMA. We look forward to meeting their representatives at NEMA's Spring Conference the third week of April. Regarding the Spring Conference, its website should be up and open for registration within the next few business days. We will send out an email to our members and other interested parties when the site is available for use. As a reminder, The conference is at the Lost Pines Resort in Bastrop, Texas, April 19th through the 21st. We are fortunate to have this venue because it has multiple outdoor settings where all of the networking and meals will take place. And the timing should be perfect for us all to enjoy the Texas Hill Country Spring. NEMA is pleased to announce the resumption of its virtual presentation series. The next presentation takes a deep dive into the challenges and opportunities presented by the largest in-use drivers in the energy market now and going forward data centers and electric vehicles. In the first of the four-part series, The Explosive Energy Related Needs of Data Centers and Electric Vehicles: New Challenges and Opportunities, Alex Carros from General Motors, Elise Porto from Switch, and Travis Wright from QTS Data Centers join NAMAS chair, Jim Richardson, for a discussion of the anticipated growth and impacts of their sectors. That presentation is on Wednesday. February 16th, beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern time via Zoom. It's a 90-minute presentation with time included for Q&A. This presentation is complimentary for NAMA members. The registration fee for non-members is $50. Please visit NAMA's website to register. Space is limited to the first 100 registrants. More information regarding our new members, RFPs, and job opportunities can be found at NEMA's website. Thank you for the opportunity to provide this News Minute. We will provide another one in a few weeks, and we hope to see everyone at Lost Pines Resort in late April.
3: Thank you so much for that, Mr. Tim Bergen And, of course, we're excited about the NEMA Conference coming up in April as well. We'll be there. We are the official podcast provider of the NEMA Conference, so we hope to see a lot of you out there. We're looking forward to it as well. All right, let's get right down to the podcast, part one of our two-part series with Deloitte and Miss Marlene Maticka a lot of ground that we cover here in this podcast today. We get into the supply chain issues, we get into a little bit about transmission and what's ahead in 2022. Also to why net zero goals are important and the importance of the circular economy and what it means to the environment. So, here is Miss Marlene Matika from Deloitte. <laughs>
0: I've been in the power and utility sector for 25 years okay. and the last 15 in renewable energy. I would say that really the momentum's been building over time. It's because of certain factors that have been really pushing the demand for renewables. I would say that um, certainly in the U.S., we've had credits and incentives that have supported the growth of, of renewable energy. But more importantly, you had states that were coming forward and setting goals, saying the utilities in our states have to procure a certain amount of electricity from renewable sources. And that really resulted in a, a big push for renewables, but also the corporate side. So companies are coming forward and saying, I want my electricity to come from renewable sources. So all of those things coming together have created momentum over time And that's really put us where we are today. And then again, the the energy transition, the focus on sustainability and climate has increased that.
2: How are you seeing the trends with regards to 2022 starting on VPPA versus PPA? And do they have to point to a set solar field or wind farm? That's
0: a great question. I would say that they're looking at their options that are available and not everybody has the ability to sign a physical PPA because they don't have maybe land near them or building space to put solar or they're not really located, really, their, their load center is not located right near renewables. So what we do see is a lot more of a focus on a virtual PPA and really looking at from many industries, looking at virtual PPAs as an option because it gives them, you know, more, more options, more flexibility in terms of being able to sign an agreement that works for them financially, as well as from a sustainability perspective.
2: Being their trusted advisor at Deloitte, as you guys are, are you having a difficult time teaching them what a swap is and they might have to write a check at the end of the month? Or is that something that enough time has evolved that they're getting used to the idea that that's what it's going to take to be able to achieve these greenhouse goals and so on and so forth?
0: I would say every organization is different. I would say though that many that we are dealing with really are just not quite sure of, of what a virtual PPA is and what it means. And the fact that accounting and finance and legal and procurement and energy, all of those people across the organization have to be you know involved So I would say we spend quite a bit of time up front educating our client because they really need to know what they're getting into and be comfortable with it. Because once you start running an RFP and looking at options, you can't be all of a sudden questioning and trying to understand what's happening. So a lot of education needs to be done up front and it still is critical and it still is really needed for a lot
2: of companies. You know, Marlene, you being the, the global head of uh, the renewable energy within Deloitte, do you guys as advisors actually help them write their RFPs when they go out for a virtual PPA and see it through from start to finish all the way through? Or you just give them advice and they go off on their own?
0: No, we we actually have the capability to we we do the education and then we have the ability to run an RFP and use the various analytics to understand you know, what the, what the options are that are coming back and how they meet their goals or don't meet their goals with regard to procurement. And then we even work with them in terms of, you know, interviewing the finalists and being able to really understand what's happening with regard to the, the agreement. Obviously they also have outside counsel that's helping them uh, with the terms of the, the legal terms of any agreement, but we help them from beginning to, to end.
3: How much has it changed From when you were doing this 15 years ago the scope of what you were doing renewable energy wise 15 years ago with clients where are we at 15 years later
0: so that's a great question when i started 15 years ago i mean the folks that really were developing renewables it was really sometimes two guys driving around in a truck buying land to develop a, a wind farm you had some utilities on the west coast involved in in renewables it has really changed tremendously. So more utilities are focused on implementing renewable solutions for for their customers and as part of their portfolio to meet their decarbonization goals. Private equity, is investing in this space. They see it as, a, as an opportunity and a growth area for them. Oil and gas companies also entering the renewable space. And then you have corporates. So the number of people and the number of, of types of clients we're working with in their renewable energy space has really ballooned because you know more people are focused on implementing renewable solutions. Do
3: you guys do much consulting and or advising on grid modernization? Where are you at as far as any kind of grid updates and and where Deloitte plays in that role?
0: Deloitte itself is is working with, you know, utilities in a number of ways and, and one of them is kind of modernizing their grid and their portfolio. A lot of that is trying to utilize what i would say technology solutions that are helping them adapt and accommodate these distributed energy resources like wind and solar and battery storage so it is a big focus for utilities as you know the generation mix is evolving as more distributed generation is coming on so you know it, we're we're helping clients in that space
3: what is deloitte's role in helping with the with the supply chain and When do you see these things start to ease up a little bit? How much of a factor is that going to loom large and continue to loom large in 2022?
0: I would say that um, certainly in 2021, you know, there was pressure because of supply shortages and components like semiconductors and modules and, and wind blades and turbines. I think some of that is starting to abate a little bit, but certainly, you know, there is a concern that, Uh, there will be some constraints in in the supply chain and also impacts on commodity prices that could impact project development in 2022 and early into 2023. And and some folks have adjusted their forecast slightly to bring down the number of, let's say, utility scale PV installations in, in 2022 because of some of those supply chain issues. But I think there is a a focus on manufacturers reassessing, you know, their their supply needs and looking at, you know, where they're sourcing particular components and commodities. And so I think there is a big focus on this and expect that, you know, things will level out over time.
3: One question I always like to ask folks that have a global reach, and obviously you're you're no stranger to that. Where is the U.S. in your mind and what is the U.S.'s role in kind of the global renewable energy race?
0: The U.S. has very, you know, strong goals and projections in terms of the role that renewable energy will play in the marketplace. And I don't think that's going to lessen up over time. You know, as we talked about, utilities are decarbonizing, you know, corporates are looking at it. So we, we have great goals in that way. Actually, we work with a lot of clients who want to enter the US market to develop renewable energy because they see the opportunities that are in this marketplace and the expectation for growth. They also see it as a great opportunity because there is a little bit more stability in our market from maybe a political standpoint. But I think there is also a focus on the US and certainly looking at our federal labs around innovation, right? What can they do to bring the cost down? Uh, they, They had a focus on bringing the cost down of solar. And balance of plant and and the whole kind of construction of solar and they really were instrumental in helping those goals. Now they're focusing on green hydrogen and they're focused on energy storage solutions. So I think the US needs to continue to focus on this research and development and not only just these labs but more broadly, supporting a lot of these companies that are starting to emerge who are getting involved in these new technology innovations, whether it be different forms of you know, battery storage or long dur- duration storage or hydrogen and green hydrogen. So I think the US needs to continue to pay, play a strong role in that and, and really help evolve really then the global market in that way.
3: What are we looking like for energy storage in 2022, and what, what are you most impressed by with kind of the advancement of energy storage? And, and we've talked to some folks who say, look, the thing about battery storage is that in some cases it's not economical to do it on its own. Where are we at, and uh, is there misnomers around the, the, the whole theory of battery storage?
0: yeah certainly um the co- the cost of of battery storage ha- when we talk about lithium ion battery storage has decreased um, tremendously over the last 10 years and it's still expected to decrease you know in in the coming years lithium ion batteries aren't the only solution we can really hang our hat on we need broader longer-term duration storage solutions so we need to look at other you know mechanical and other forms of battery storage and there still has to be more work done there i mean i think there is some there is a lot of research investment going into long-term storage technologies for example there's a new iron air battery that says they can provide over 100 hours of energy for about 20 dollars per kilowatt hour which is about one-tenth the cost of a more common lithium-ion battery in use today so that's again, you know, really exciting from that perspective, but you know, people are also looking at green hydrogen, being able to produce hydrogen from renewable sources and then be able to store it during seasonal times and be able to draw out and use that when needed. Again, a lot of interesting things happening there, but still more needs to be done.
3: Saw one of the things you mentioned on your report for 2022 is talking about the circular economy. We keep hearing this Mm -hmm. term, circular economy. Just break that down. What 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 exactly is the circular economy?
0: I mean, that really relates to reducing, reusing, and recycling components. You know, I think the renewable energy industry is really kind of has has really matured and now there is more focus on you know waste generation you know as we increase the amount of wind and solar projects that are placed into service there's a astronomical amount of tons of 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 waste that we need to to um take care of so by 2050 it's expected to have like 2.2 million tons of accumulated wind turbine blade waste and about 10 million tons of cumulative PV waste in the U.S., so the question is, what can be done to, you know, look at reusing those components or giving them a second life, and you know, really helping the economy um, in that way in terms of again reducing components and, and reusing them in, in the environment.
3: Where are you at on, on on net zero goals as far as the the feasibility and and just the likelihood that it's going to happen?
0: I would say right now we have a lot of technology and solutions at hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that though people would agree that we don't have all the technology to get us to that point in time. Okay. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't start implementing the solutions we have available. And just to think about how the renewable energy market has changed in the last five years or the cost of let's say lithium ion batteries, right? There's, things are moving very quickly. So I feel confident that with the research and development that's happening not only in the US, but globally, we will be able to come up with additional solutions and options that will get us to to where we need to go and and these goals that are being set. People should still be setting these goals, but it's a journey, it's not a sprint. We can't flick a switch and automatically have all the solutions today, it's a matter of let's utilize what we can today and keep investing and innovating for those solutions.
2: You know, as everybody tries to reach their net zero goals and meet all these sustainability needs, achieving those numbers are difficult when they have to do everything physically and build them out and build them out. And, you know, people complain about greenwashing, but I don't see how some municipalities or firms are going to reach those goals without using the certificates to offset. It might not involve a physical product for their location, but the CO2Es, the, all the equivalents that are out there, the RSGs of the world, I don't see us reaching the goals people are targeting without using certificates of some kind. Do you all have a mm-hmm. view on that?
0: Like offsets? And, yes, and off, doing, carbon yes. offsets. Yeah, I think we're going to need all these options, right? And there is a focus on, you know, looking at what can be done In terms of land-based offsets, how can we add more, you know, kind of trees and focus on waterways? Again, not an area I focus on tremendously, but there is more of a focus on, you know, offsets and and companies looking at what they can do to be able to create those offset opportunities uh, in order for, you know, organizations to meet their goals.
3: In the 15 years, like you said, you already talked about how the scope has changed dramatically. What would you say the biggest misconception, misnomer is about the renewable energy industry?
0: I think it is still the cost competitive nature of it. I think people still do not, people don't understand the fact that wind and solar are becoming the cheapest power generation source across most of the U.S. and and the world. And this is even without taking into account tax credits and incentives in in many markets. And that truly it is competitive and even new build wind and solar is actually cheaper than running some existing coal-fired generation plants. So the fact is, is that renewable energy is cost competitive and it is a solution that can be looked at and relied upon.
3: Give me a trend that no one's talking about. And what's on Marlene's docket for the rest of
0: 2022? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit. People, people are talking about it, but it is really important. And that is um, transmission. Okay. So we, we need transmission. Um, It is needed to get the renewable um, generation that's happening kind of outside the load centers to the load centers. It's also needed for, for offshore wind. And so there has to be a focus on this. There's about 840 gigawatts of proposed transmission capacity that's in the queue. It's stuck in these interconnection queues. And 90% of that is connected to renewables and energy storage. So we really need to focus on that you know, permitting and approval process because that will be key to implementing these uh, renewable solutions.
3: Thank you so much for that, Miss Marlene Maticka. Don't miss part two of the Deloitte series when we sit down with managing director and experience director for Deloitte's greenhouse, Miss Jennifer Juno. Also, coming up this week, another follower Friday as we sit down with Mr. Joel Saxum, VP of North American Sales for the Wind Power Lab. Very interesting group and what they're doing with Wind blades. You do not want to miss that. And of course, if you're not a follower of the Green Insider podcast, please do so over at LinkedIn and jump on that Follower Friday train. You will be glad that you did. And of course, don't forget, you can catch all of the Green Insider episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and eRenew.net. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and we know that a lot of you do, give us a five-star rating why, because we promise you learn more about renewable energy and the energy transition than you knew about it before you stopped by. As always, huge shout-out to the eRenew team, and Roger, Mike, Al, and and all the guests, audience, and everybody that makes the show possible. This has been the Green Insider Podcast powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.